Chapter 18 James woke up to the sound of knocking. He kept his eyes shut and tried to block it out. He was much too tired to get up for school. The knocking continued. "'I'll be up in a minute, Mum,' he called out sleepily, pulling his cover up and over his head. The knocking didn't stop. He stuck his head back out from under the warm duvet. It was coming from his window. "'Not now, no-tail,' he thought, dragging himself out of bed and over to the window. His eyes were half-closed when he pulled up the blind and yanked up the bottom window to let the squirrel in. As the cold air slipped through the widening gap, he opened his eyes fully, and he gasped. It wasn't no-tail, it was a flock of angry-faced magpies waiting on his window ledge. When they saw him, they started shrieking and pecking and clawing hard at the glass. He jumped away from the window before he'd fully opened it, but there was enough of a gap that two birds squeezed their way in and started flapping wildly around his room. "'Get out!' he said, grabbing his pillow and swinging it around. One of the birds flew at his face and pecked him viciously above the eye. He felt blood run down onto his cheek. He dumped the pillow and pulled his duvet over him for protection, leaving a small space to peep out of. He didn't want any more evil magpies getting into his room, so he went back to the window to pull it shut. As he did, the birds outside burst into flight, and No-Tail landed in their place. "'Come in,' James said to the squirrel, yanking the window up for the little creature. "'I'm being attacked!' The tailless squirrel bounded through the gap, and James slammed the window shut. The two birds inside were circling above him, waiting for an opportunity to strike. No-Tail was more than a match for them, however. She sprang high off the windowsill and landed on one of the birds' backs, her little paws clamped over its eyes. The bird immediately stopped flying and fell with a soft thud onto the carpet. James reacted fast. Pulling the case off his pillow, he bagged the bird. The other bird had worked out that it was outmatched and was desperately trying to get out through the now-closed window. The squirrel sprang again, and this time James caught the bird in the pillowcase as it fell. No-Tail hopped off onto James's shoulder just in time. He clamped the top of the pillowcase shut. Thanks, he said to the little squirrel. But the magpies were not finished yet. The ones outside had seen what had happened and were now going crazy. They were pecking so furiously it sounded like it was hailing marbles against the window. Then, after one particularly big bird swung its beak hard the glass started to crack. They must be after the stone, James said. We've got to get out of here. My mum will go mad if they smash their way in. He pulled the blind with one hand and looked at his clock. It was nearly two in the morning. He kept the pillowcase tightly closed in his fist, pulled the girdle picks from the bowl of water, and as quietly as possible, eased out into the hallway, closing his door behind him. He crept past his parents' bedroom door, listening for any signs that they'd heard the kerfuffle. Luckily, the two birds trapped in the pillowcase were behaving themselves. He wondered if No-Tail had knocked them out. He was thankful he fell asleep with his clothes on. He went downstairs, remembering to step over the fifth one down and the second one up. His keys were in his coat pocket hanging by the door. He strapped the girdle picks around his waist and pulled his coat on, careful to keep the pillowcase closed as he did it. Then he stepped into his walking boots, and he put the rat-knitted hat on for more warmth. He had to get the birds away from the house, but where could he go? 
and what if Kamira was outside waiting for him? He had an idea. Taking his keys out, he eased the door latch open. No-Tail was on his shoulder, looking alert and ready for action. Still trying to be as quiet as possible, he swung the door open, slipped out and closed it. Then he held the bundled top of the pillowcase in his mouth and unlocked his bike. Jumping on, he started pedalling hard up the hill, dropping the pillowcase into his neighbour's hedge. After only a few pedal strokes, the magpies were on him. They swooped and dived as he rode, making him swerve and dodge and nearly crash on the dark pavement. He saw a gap in the parked cars and bumped down the curb onto the road. There was no traffic and he had more room to manoeuvre, but there was also more sky above him for the birds to attack from. No-Tail was busy with her little bow, doing what she did best. Any bird that got too close took an arrow to its chest and fell dead to the ground. But they kept on attacking, more than the grey assassin could handle. The moon was out, almost full, and at the end of his road James saw a huge flock of magpies silhouetted against the sky, coming over from the direction of Preston Park to join the attack. There were just too many. He turned left onto Ditchling Road and pedalled as fast as he was able. And then he felt a cold wind push him from behind. He knew what was coming and kept pedalling hard. The wind grew and grew and soon it was a gale blowing him up the hill. The magpies stayed with him but they stopped attacking. The wind made it too hard to hit a moving target. No-Tail had moved from his shoulder to his coat pocket to shelter from the wind. They were nearly at the golf course when James heard a high-pitched yelp, the unmistakable sound of a fox. He looked back and Kamira's clan was racing along the road behind. This time the wind was helping them too. Above the foxes was a dark cloud of magpies. James wished he'd stayed in bed. The turn for the golf course was up ahead. He hopped up the curb and over a small bank, the grass on the other side of the bank was long and dragged at his pedals. It would be faster on foot. He dumped the bike in the long grass and ran, the wind making each stride longer than usual. Halfway across the first fairway, not far from the hill fort, his luck ran out. He was aiming for the dew pond when the first fox overtook him, and the second. He slowed to a stop to avoid running into the snarling foxes. When he turned around, he was surrounded by the Rover clan. They were in a wide circle, all crouched low against the wind. There was a space back toward his bike, but James would never make it out. Then the space was filled by Chimera, who slowly made her way forward to complete the circle. No-Tail was poised on James's shoulder, bow out, an arrow knocked and ready to fire. "'I'm not asking this time, boy!' Kamira shouted over the wind. That stone is mine! Magpies, get that grey assassin out of the way! At her command, a stream of birds flew toward James, accelerated by the ever-strengthening wind. No-Tail loosed an arrow at the first, and it fell to the ground, as did the second, but the third one hit the squirrel square in the chest. No-Tail didn't fall. She hung to the bird's neck and swung round onto its back, ready to jump back to James, but another magpie was already on her, and another. No tail, James shouted as the squirrel was swept away into the night. Grokin, Chimera shouted. Bring me the stone! Before James could speak, the fox on Chimera's left shot forward. Teeth bared, it pounced at James's throat. He held out his arms to deflect the attack, braced for the pain of a brutal bite. 
but the teeth never reached his flesh. First there was a snarl from behind, then a thump from in front of him, and a whimper from the fox called Grawkin. It was the king under the fort. The huge badger stood in front of James, claws extended, ready for a fight. Grawkin was lying at the badger's feet, still breathing, but not moving otherwise. "'That all you got, you filthy foxes?' the king roared. "'Who's next?' The badger stepped toward a scraggly-looking fox. "'You? How about you? Come on!' He took another quick step toward the fox, and it backed away, terrified. "'I thought not. I tell you what, I'll give you a five-second head start before I tear every last one of you to pieces. Five. Four. Three. The king under the fort stopped counting. The foxes had dispersed, sloping away down the hill with their tails between their legs. Ha! the king said. But he didn't have time to say anything else, as the magpies were back, dive-bombing the huge old badger. Gah! he said. Abominable birds! Follow me, boy! The badger bounded off down the nearest fairway. James followed, arms over his head, to deflect the sharp beaks. The wind was howling through the bushes. It wasn't long before they were at the dew pond, which had waves blowing across it. The king had a flock of magpies on his back, pecking and scratching him. He leapt straight into the pond, and the birds launched off him into the dark sky. Boy, the great badger said, quit standing around and stop this infernal wind, will you? James thought for a second, and then undid the girdle picks and threw it into the pond. Almost instantly the wind abated. This was both a relief and a burden, as the magpie attack escalated dramatically, mostly targeted at the badger. "'Director!' the king roared from the pond. "'Come and get these magpies off me!' A cacophony erupted from the nearby trees, thousands of crows crying out into the night. The moon was bright enough to give James an incredible view. Each tree around the pond was covered with birds, and they took off one tree at a time, like squadrons of fighters, to engage the magpies in the black sky. After a few seconds, black and white bodies started splashing into the pond and after a few more, the battle was over. The magpies, outnumbered and outgunned, flew off into the night.'